We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris Biederman is on assignment today, a pretty cool assignment, so excited for him. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, but he will not be in attendance for this podcast. Instead, I'll be joined by Danny Kelly. He covers the NFL and the NFL Draft for The Ringer. He is the host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. He's the host of the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Does a ton of work for them. He's one of my very favorite people to talk football with. We chat about this year's draft, some draft philosophy stuff, because the 49ers, you know, picking at 61, aren't really in the mix with some of the top prospects, but there are some good prospects that could fall to that late second round. We talk about those guys and just talk about draft philosophy in general. Super fun conversation with Danny Kelly. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Danny Kelly's here. Danny, I want to ask how you're doing, but I feel like this time of year, we're like two and a half weeks out from the draft. Yeah. There's like a level of like excitement and exhaustion that 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 you hit <laughs> where I'm afraid to ask how you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm tired, honestly. I've got draft fatigue. I'm trying to just hang in there for the next like two or three weeks or whatever it is. It's going to be, it's going to ramp back up here. I think we're hitting the, like the, the lull, mm-hmm. um, sort of like the quiet before the storm. And then I think draft week is going to be fun. Cause there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff. I'm sure that'll happen during draft week and maybe we'll see some trades or whatever, but yeah, I'm just trying to get to the finish line. It's like uh mile 22 or whatever mile 22 and a half of a marathon and, and we're almost there. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sure. excited overall. Have you run a marathon? No. I'm okay, me neither. That's was... like. <laughs> <laughs> that mile, sounds hard though. For me, it'd be mile one. Like, hey, I'm a fool. Ah, let's stop. <laughs> can't get that second wind. Yeah. If you never get the second wind, that's what I feel like right now. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, no, I, I'm 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 mostly joking. I am excited about the draft and everything, but yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm wondering though, is are years like this 
easier because it's not like, all right, this guy's going to go one. This guy's going to go two. like last year. Yeah. We knew Trevor Lawrence was going one and we knew Zach Wilson was going two. Is it easier when I say easier? Is it more enjoyable for you when you know, like, okay, these are the top 10 guys versus a year like this year where it's like, yeah, there's six guys that could go number one. And then the order yeah. after that, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau was going to go one and then like 12. And now it's right. like, oh, he could go two. two. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I think part of like on one hand, it's nice to have the mystery and not really know what's going to happen. Like last year, you remember, we basically stopped talking about Trevor Lawrence. Like we just got kind of sick of him. Yeah. Um, and for a top overall pick in like quote unquote generational quarterback prospect, we didn't really talk about him that much. It kind of felt weird. Mm-hmm. Um, this way, at least you can talk about everybody. I feel like, you know, Hutchinson maybe isn't getting the amount of hype you see from a typical year, but he's still getting plenty of discussion. Um, there's the mystery element with Thibodeau and like how many guys, how many corners are going to go in the top 10, how many pass rushers are going to go in the top 10. Um, so I think that's exciting and fun and it kind of like keeps things open. Like I can't pre-write anything basically for the draft <laughs> other than maybe like Hutchinson, you know what I mean? Like right. I think we can pretty much write in pencil that he's going to be the first overall pick, but I'm not even hundred percent sure about that. But from there it's like anything. So I'm just going to have to kind of wait and see what happens on, on draft night. The other side of that though, that I kind of find annoying and tiresome is, is like we really have, I feel like been picking apart everybody in this draft. Like, there are now suddenly like no good prospects. It feels like in the class. <laughs> it's like, we're also just hyper-focused on, um, you know, why this class is quote unquote bad or whatever. Like everybody now is bad outside of like Hutchinson or whatever. And, and a couple of the tackles at the top. Um, so that's been kind of frustrating is like, it feels like we've gone through this, uh, this pattern of hyping guys up. And then everybody sort of like, is like, Whoa, we're hyping them too much. We got, we got to like pull the reins here and talk about how they're bad. And, like Kyle Hamilton is an, is a great example. Wild. Um, like he was the second overall pick, like generational safety prospect, one of the best ever. And then all of a sudden, Oh, he ran slow. So therefore he sucks. Now yeah. we got to talk about how he's not very good. Um, it seems like we've done that with a lot of prospects this year, but I mean, I guess that happens every year. Just kind of get stuck in it. And right now that's what I'm feeling. Like there's just a lot of prospects who I'm like, man, why the why is the narrative changing so wildly within like a two week period where we're not they're not even playing football? It's just it's just kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it feels like there's going to be a couple guys from this class that we look back on in like five years. We're like, how did they fall that far? Yeah, or like what? 100%. Why? How? How did so many people have bad takes about this guy? <laughs> is uh, yeah. along along those lines though the 49ers? So it, it's been it's been weird. And Chris and I have been talking about this. We usually by this time every year we're neck deep and there's hey there's six guys the Niners might take and hey here's here's some trade back candidates and some trade up candidates they don't have a first round pick this year they don't pick till 61 mm. is this is this a good year to not have a first round pick because yeah it's not like this glut of top end talent well there's never a good year to not have a first round pick would probably be my answer to that but like relative <laughs> to the other seasons where you're missing out on some serious blue chip talent yeah i think so and the other thing that's nice about this season for the 49ers in particular is honestly, after you get to like pick 15, 16, 17, there's probably like 35, 40 guys, maybe even more than that, like 50 guys that are all sort of in a tier, like one plateau of just good players that I could see mm-hmm. going in the first round. I could see them fall a little bit. Um, I'm guessing at what is it? 61. You said, yes. 
I think there's still going to be really good players at that spot. Um, you're probably going to miss the run on edge rushers. You're probably going to miss the early run on tackles, but there's going to be good receivers. I think there'll be some good interior defensive linemen. If that's something that they're looking for, um, tons of good linebackers in this class. I mean, again, I don't know exactly what like the 49ers are going to be looking to add. There's some really good interior offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like second tier tackles, probably be a few guys there. So there's just like, there's a good, good uh, group of, I would say guys in the second to third round range that, you know, you'd be happy with coming out as your first pick. The Niners have this weird thing where it's like interior offensive line is probably their top need. But in the last two years, they've spent like four picks on guys mm. that they thought could start at right guard. And now at some point it's like, yo, those guys have to play or not. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so when I'm like listing out their, their needs, it's like interior offensive lines at the top, but if they don't go that route until mm-hmm. later, like it would make, it would make a lot of sense. You mentioned the edge, the run on, on pass rushers. That's been one of the kind of talking points with the 49ers is they center their defense around their pass rush. Yeah. And right now it's like Nick Bosa and then a pretty steep cliff. And then it's like Samson Ebukam and, and Eric Armstead and those guys. You you said that they probably missed the run on edge rushers. Is this class deep enough though that they could still get a pass rusher at 61 who can either produce right away or bring maybe not produce right away, but bring a lot of upside where it's like, man, right. this guy has a ton of traits. And in two or three years, he could be a really good player. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, there's there's definitely a couple of guys I'd say it's probably the third tier. The first tier would be the Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Trevon Walker. Karloftis and Jermaine Johnson tier. I would say that's the first tier. The second tier would be like Arnold Evacetti from Penn State, David Ajabo, who could fall to 61 now because he's. I want to ask about him in a minute. Yeah. And then guys like Nick Benito, uh, Boye Mafe, um, Drake, ja- Drake Jackson from USC, um, Kingsley Enigbari from South Carolina, and Majai Sanders uh, from Cincinnati. I apologize if I'm saying that name wrong, but. Um, that group I think would be sort of the third tier. And I don't know exactly how every, how it's all going to come off the board. Like boy, Mafe could be a first rounder, but it could fall a little bit. Um, And then Bonito, I think he is extremely exciting and intriguing because he's very explosive, has a really high pressure rate, did a ton ton of damage, but he's like tiny. He's well, not tiny, but he's, he's relatively small for the position. He's listed, I believe around two forty or something like that. Um, and he just gets kind of knocked around in the run game. So I like he's he's a situational pass rusher type guy. So he could fall a little bit, but that would be, um, you know, that's that's a sampling of the type of guys I could see them go for. I like Drake Jackson from, from USC. He's he's the type of guy I think if you could put on a little bit of weight and and bulk up a bit, like he could play in any any scheme. He's really bendy and, and sort of agile, and he can dip his shoulder and rip into the pocket really well. And he has flashes that are really exciting. He just, he's not the most consistent guy, but like the flashes are like, whoa, this guy could be really good. Um, but he, he's kind of skinny and he needs to bulk up too. So there, there's guys like that where it's the developmental sort of tier, but there's some upside there for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to ask about a guy you mentioned, David Ojabo. So Chris is on assignment, but... Mm-hmm. but we had a big discussion about him the other day and Chris's argument was I'm not taking him until round three. The Niners pick 93 uh-huh. in the third round he said, I'm not taking him till round three because I don't want to spend a day two pick or an early day two pick on an injury risk, right? Like an edge rusher coming off an Achilles. Plus let's say he comes back healthy. How effective is he going to be post Achilles? Right. My argument was, I'm taking him at 61 because he might've been a top 15 guy if he didn't get hurt. And the upside is just insane. And the yeah. risk reward balances out. Where do you land on that? Um, yeah, that's really tough. I mean, for the 49ers in particular, in particular, like, can you answer me who their quarterback is going to be next year? First, like, are they going to be what, what I'm going <laughs> to, what life Sudfeld. What life cycle is this <laughs> roster is kind of my question. In, in other words, like, are they going to be competing for a Super Bowl again? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. It's it's largely the same. Yeah, the same roster. If that's the case, I probably would say let someone else take that gamble, just because you get another guy in that can be um, an, a day one impact guy. Like having a good solid rotation on the pass rush group is like such a good way to, you know, weather the, you know, the the storm and, and attri- the battle of attrition that happens in any given season. Um, I'd say if you're if if you're a team and, and I feel like this is the type of team I would take him that is maybe still like a year or two away, it probably makes more sense for them to do that just because he's more more than likely going to have a redshirt season and and even if he does come back probably won't be quite as effective, you know, as he was or explosive. It's going to take it's like a year plus type recovery in in all likelihood. Um, plus, he's a little bit of a developmental guy. Like he's not good against the run. He mm-hmm. is a one year starter kind of a one-year wonder type guy so i don't know there's just a lot of red flags there but also like the talent is there for sure the explosiveness the the potential and the traits there like are are really really intriguing but for a team like san francisco it kind of feels like they might be better off trying to you know maximize this window and 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 go that direction but i mean if he falls to 93 then then sure but like that right like you said that second round pick I don't know. It, it, it's again, it's a philosophical thing. Like it really just depends on, on who's making that decision, but that's probably what I would do. So you agree with Chris? Sorry. Yes, I do. All right. We'll cut this out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. um, you mentioned, you mentioned the interior offensive. I talked about that a little bit, but I want to, I want to talk more philosophy than like specific players. Mm-hmm. Um, the 49ers 
last year in the second round traded back and took Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Aaron Banks, I think, played in 10 games. He was inactive for a bunch of games and played like three offensive snaps. Okay. They drafted Jalen Moore out of Western Michigan. He was a tackle, but he's undersized, so they're going to move him to guard. Mm-hmm. He ended up having to be the swing tackle, but he's an option at guard. If if you're a GM and you know you're coming off, you just spent a second-round pick on a guard and then a fifth-round pick on a guy that you want to be a guard, and the year before that, they took Colton McKivitz in round five out of Western Virginia. He was a tackle at, at Western Virginia, but they expected him to kick inside to guard. Right. Would you then go to that position again this year, knowing that you need to fill out two starting jobs? Or are you looking elsewhere and saying, hey, interior offensive line, you can try and stack those up later in the draft? Um, I think it, I think I would probably not shy away from just going back to the well, honestly, like it, hmm. for a team that that is so, you know, ba- like focused on being balanced and dominating in the run game and kicking other teams ass, like just the, the philosophy and, and sort of the identity of the team, the personality of the 49ers. To me, that's like they're dominating in the trenches. They're they're, you know, imp- imposing their will more or less mm-hmm. like, it, you know, you go back to the, the playoff game against the the Packers where they just like ran the ball and they basically said, we don't need to pass. <laughs> we don't want like, I feel like that's a core part of their identity and personality. And and so therefore just keep throwing, you know, pieces at it. Like, honestly, um, the, the banks thing, you know, they can probably accept that as a loss, but like when you're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, like don't let those picks determine what you're doing in the first two rounds of any draft, like the draft, um, I, my buddy Justice Mosqueda has said this to me for years, and I and I totally believe it. it's like the draft is really only about four four rounds long. Anything after that, hmm. it's just like you're just lottery tickets. Like you're hoping one of these guys pans out, but like don't put too much stock in those. Um, so you know the fact that they spent a fifth rounder, and then uh, you said it, what was it a sixth or, or a fourth before that fifth round, a couple of fifth rounders. Yeah. Like, to me, that's nothing. That's sure that's chump chump change. So like, don't worry too much about that. Um, clearly you don't want to miss on second round picks. Um, but I wouldn't let, you know, I wouldn't let that be a reason if you really like a guy at at whatever 61 or, or where, you know, maybe even in the third round, like just keep plugging that in. If that's a huge need for you. You mentioned it's, I have, I have this theory about the 49ers draft picks because they've whiffed on like Solomon Thomas and, and Dante Pettis and, I mean, maybe Aaron Banks. I'm not writing him off just yet, right. but I mean, they they feel it feels like early. Javon Kinlaw not working out great so far. He's a first round pick. Yeah, but then you look at like Fred Warner round three, George Kittle round five, Dre Greenlaw round five, DJ Jones round six. Who just signed a big contract at the with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I think the reason they have so much success in later rounds is because they stop trying to draft for need, and they're just like, hey, that guy's an awesome athlete. Let's get him <laughs> in the building. Yeah, and to me, yeah. it's like. The way I've been looking at it is why would you not just do that early then? Mm-hmm. Why would you not just? So, my question is why not just go all traits dudes all the time? <laughs> that's a good question. Just get good athletes um, in the building. Yeah, that's, I think, a philosoph- like from a philosophical point of view. And I think actually the, the the draft takes on this personality too as you go along. It's like, the first round guys are traits guys who are really good at football in mm-hmm. general, right? Like they have everything right. Second round guys. A lot of times are traits guys that have some sort of issue 
that didn't that kept them from being a first rounder, right? Mm-hmm. But they're still have they still have that elite potential. And then you get into like third, fourth, fifth. Once you get into the fifth round, that's all there is because there's not really good. You're either a really good traits guy or a really right. good football player who is runs like a four eight. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. <laughs> or else you're gone before that. A so, non traits guy. Yeah. So I think like. Uh, I don't know what the term is, um, selection bias or something like that. But I think it's like once you get into that area, it's like the, there are only two types of guys, either traits guys or really good guys who are slow. Um, <laughs> and so or they're too short or whatever. Like f- there's some right. reason these guys non-athletic to tight ends. Right. With Kittle, it was like he wasn't very productive in that offense or whatever. Right. Um, and he was just asked to block. But but they saw this freakish potential for him to be an all around playmaker um, and and took him there. And um you know, probably changed the way that teams draft tight ends forever because of that. Um, mm-hmm. Because now people see like, oh, get these guys that can fly and we'll turn them into good football players. Um, so I would say it, it's it's more just the way that the draft works, I think, than um, really, you know, something that you could craft a strategy around. Because if you start taking too many guys that are just traitsy, like then you run into what the Seahawks did for a couple of years there where they were just taking guys that were freakishly athletic, but like couldn't play football and then <laughs> trying to switch them onto the offense or the defense or whatever. It's like, and and I don't think any of these guys ended up working out. Like yeah. back in the day we were tracking, like they would, they'd follow very closely the spark athletic profile. This is before it became sort of like well-known and everyone knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to predict like a whole bunch of their picks. Like one year in particular, they picked like five guys that were like the top of the list for sure. <laughs> we're like, oh my god, they're clearly using this list. Right. And then all these, none of these guys worked out. Um, so not to sit on the fence or whatever, but like it is probably just an individual thing. Right. Um, you want to bet on traits. Like there, there are, I think, baseline foundational athletic benchmarks that you have to have or else you can't be a good NFL player and you should probably right. follow that. But like from there, it's probably more of an individual thing. Who is, I got two more questions for you. Who is the, and if you don't have an answer, this is totally fine. Okay. Um, I realize I'm digging deep asking about a team that doesn't pick until 61. No, that's, but that's is right. there, is there a player that you could see falling to late round two that would, that would be like, Who's the best player you could see kind of landing in that late second round spot? <laughs> um, or if there's a couple names, just names to know. That's a good question. I wish I knew your guys' team needs a little bit more clear. Offensive line. Yeah. Uh, safety. Um, okay. Well, tight end is it? Tight end is like one that I think really? is a need, okay. but nobody else seems to think. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just a me thing. Um. I would say here's a couple of the names came to come to mind. I don't think he'll last this long, but Lewisine from Georgia mm. is really good. I think he'd be a lot of fun uh, <coughs> coming in there and super athletic guy again. Um, plays all over the formation, can kind of do everything. I think he'd be really interesting. Um, more realistic, like a guy like Jaquan Brisker from from Penn State, mm. I think is really intriguing because he's another guy who's super athletic, kind of can do everything, and um, you know, just a good football player, kind of like how I picture a lot of 49ers defenders. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels like, and you just named two safeties. There's another guy who's been mocked to the, the 49ers a lot, um, Nick Cross from Maryland. Mm-hmm. And then another guy, uh, is, it, is it Jalen Petrie from Baylor? Yeah, yeah. Petrie all would those be guys, really interesting. Are, all those guys, but 
and you were, you guys were talking about this on the on the Ringer NFL Draft show. Like, what the hell happened to safeties being a thing? Like, if all these awesome safeties are falling late second round, yeah, that's weird to me. <laughs> like, what's wrong with these guys? Why are they lasting? I don't know. That long? That's a good question. Maybe they won't fall quite as far as everyone's projecting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's it's an interesting thing because you know, um, I think what Ben. Uh, so I could found that's uh, one of our co-hosts is, is that the safety position in terms of like salaries and stuff is actually growing really quickly. Like the, the, the numbers are going up really quickly relative to the other positions, because I think teams are starting to realize, especially in an era when a lot of teams are wanting to run too high stuff and mm-hmm. sort of dominate the middle of the field. I mean, like, think about it. If you can control what's going on in the middle of the field and squeeze everything out to the sidelines, right. like that just, makes everything so much easier. Like that's like eliminating just a massive, massive part of the field. That's why back in the day you saw a lot of single high safeties that could just erase the middle of the field. Like teams could build dominant defenses around that. Like Earl Thomas Mm -hmm. Seahawks early on in the uh, 2010s. Like that was a big thing is they can just take away the middle of the field and you can't do anything in the middle of the field. Um, So, you know, I think that that is a good point. And and it's something that I think is going to be fascinating to watch on draft night. Like, will these, I think I saw someone say the other day there could be like three safeties go in the first round, so maybe they will get pushed up a little bit. But of course, mm. there's about sixty guys that I think are considered first rounders right now. So who, right. who knows <laughs> you know, really what's going to happen? Um, but I, I think that's a really interesting point. And you know the way that teams are spreading out on offense, three wide, four wide, tight ends are more and more athletic and more dynamic in the passing game than ever. You need a guy like Petre, Petre, Petrie, Petre, who can uh, sure. I don't know. I, I don't I Thinking about the dinosaur from, you know, the land before time. Or whatever. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Shout um, out Littlefoot. And then, but like a guy like that, like he lines up literally everywhere. He's like, lines right. up as like an edge guy sometimes. Um, Jeez. So, you know, having a guy like that can kind of, you know, make things more confusing for the, for the, uh, the quarterback. He doesn't really know where guys are going to be when you snap the ball. I think that's kind of, you know, what teams are trying to do. Who's been last one here? Who has been your just favorite player to watch? It doesn't even have to necessarily be like one of the top guys. Yeah. But just a guy that when you turned on the tape, it was like, holy shit, this guy. This is a stupid one, but Greg Dulcich from UCLA is, I don't know why, but I love that guy. He's like, uh, <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing about this player. Okay. So he's a, he's probably going to be a second or third rounder, probably more likely a third rounder. So maybe you guys get him in a third round. Oh, um, but he is super athletic. Well, not super athletic, but he when he gets going and like his stride length and just open field speed, he's like a gazelle. He can just take the, the top off of a defense. He's um, a receiver. He's a tight end. So he's he's more oh, okay. of like a move guy, but he can play a little bit in line too. He's he's got that hmm. physicality. He gained probably like thirty or forty pounds in college. Was a receiver coming out of high school. He has like legit Kenny G hair, like really curly long hair. I'm in. Um, <laughs> And it like flows behind him as he's sprinting downfield and guys are chasing him. Um, And I think I saw, so Scott Barrett from fantasy points pointed this out. Um, His a dot and his yards per catch are all like historic going back, like to the 20 to to, like 2010 coming out. Um, Oh, wow. So he's like a rare downfield threat for the tight end position. Um, Mm. Type of guy who can like, number one, take, take a pass and pick up yards off the catch, but also kind of like stretch the seam. He's just really explosive like that. He's not like an elite, elite athlete, but he's, he's just, you know, he just strides it out and, and he runs away from defenders. So I kind of like him. He's just really exciting. I'm, I can't wait to see where he goes um, because I, I really liked him, you know, early on, like in January, and then he blew up the, the senior bowl 
and then now he's kind of ascended to like some people have him as their tight end one um oh my god he's really interesting all right awesome i'm gonna go watch him like literally we're gonna finish this up i'm gonna do it (laughs) yeah yeah then i'm gonna go pop the youtube tape on i can't wait (laughs) sweet (laughs) danny thanks so much for your time man Uh, always love talking football with you absolutely thank you man this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done